ויקטור פרנקו. Welcome to our last podcast episode, seriously. Yay! Oh my God, all right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond the Mat podcast hosted by Emmanuel Clauser and Jared Rowan. A space for you to transcend your yoga beyond your mat and into your life. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Viktor Frankl. All right. Hello, guys. Welcome to episode number 20 of Beyond the Mat. I can't believe we did 20 podcasts. Oh, we're so proud of ourselves, right? Yeah. It's been a really fun time. It's definitely evolved and it's been it's been so much fun. And yeah. I like how there's seasons. So then it's like a chunk of season, you know, a chunk of episodes, and then um we'll take a little break and yeah. then we'll come back with a chunk of new episodes. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, because episode 20 will be the last one of of this chunk for us. We thought it was a, a good number. And um you know, it will give us time to kind of take in your feedback, make a point on where we want to go with the podcast, because it's always important to have a why, you know, and yes. what drives you forward instead of just kind of throwing episodes out there that are maybe making sense or less sense and just kind of gear towards what our purpose is and what we want to do and what we're trying to accomplish. But we'll definitely be back. And um, for this last episode, we thought it would be a really cool thing to talk about. I guess it would be like reactivity. Yeah. Like as yeah. an overarching team. Mm-hmm. And um, do you want to tell the listeners how you came up? Because yes. that was your idea. And so how you came up with the topic. Yeah. So it's twofold, actually. So one, it's kind of what I do for a living in, in the psychotherapy world is help, is really helping people regulate emotions. And when they're triggered by by emotional experiences, how do they react? How do they drop into what they want to say, how they portray themselves? Um, Because events can be triggering. And when we we react in emotion, we're not reacting in the truth. We're reacting in a circumstance, right? And we know that Mm -hmm. circumstances change over time. So it's really poignant in that way. And then believe it or not, how this quote came about was I took a class at Laughing Lotus by Kenny Frisbee. And he teaches now at Soulful Solutions, which they're all online based. Um, And he read this quote. And then he did Hakini Mudra. And he did like, you know, your ability to really drop into the pause of the moment. And like how to optimize that pause before you open your mouth. Um, So that's kind of how the quote came about. And I think reactivity is important both in our lives, but also like starting in the yoga room, could you talk a little bit about how reaction shows up or how we, 
how that kind of pops up in the room? Sure. I think it's pretty straightforward in that sense. It's like you roll out your mat, you set up to practice, and some of the things that you may be invited to explore, whether it be a pose or a concept within a Dharma talk, may trigger an emotion within you. And sometimes we tend to let that take over the whole practice. So for example, if someone is talking I don't know, if someone is talking about grief at the beginning of class and I just lost a loved one, that could be very triggering for me. And then I could get wrapped up into that and let it take over the whole class and not ruin the experience, but kind of make it more of a negative experience that it needs to be because I haven't had that pause where I can kind of assess what's going on and see what I need to do for myself to kind of adjust and adapt. So that would be in a relationship of like the theme or the Dharma talk of the class. And same thing happens with a pose. Like if you go in and it's, it's the fly month for Jared and you hate inversions and you go in and you're like, Oh no, we're doing tripod headstand today. Um, you can put yourself in a place of reaction to that through the whole practice where you're not even able to benefit from the experience as a whole. So I think these are, it's kind of like the same thing, but it could show up for the asanas themselves, or it could show up in relationship to the dialogue that the teacher is having. Yeah. Um, what do you I think? Love, um, yeah, I agree. I was going to hit that too. Like um, definitely the theme. Also, I, I, one thing I've noticed in the past, and I'm much better at it now is when you take a quote unquote bad class and we use air mm-hmm. quotes because it's a really bad class. The answer is yes. <laughs> they yes, really yeah. are back, but, but usually if the answer is very like practical, like, oh my God, the, po- the sequence was painful or didn't make sense. That's one thing. But if you're taking a class that you can't really determine, like it's more of an emotional experience. I used to label it as bad. Like, I don't like that teacher. And really that is an opportunity for me to look inside myself and say, what didn't I like about it and why? And I remember when I started practicing, there was a teacher I took up in Delaware and her class was slower. And I, I almost had a panic attack coming out of it. I was like, I don't like that. And da, 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 da. and then my friend, Jennifer Mitchell, who was my first teacher ever, is like, maybe you need to think about that. Yeah. It's not really her. Um, and so there are moments of like, I didn't, I didn't manage my reactivity very well. Right. Like I blamed it on someone else. I, so I think that it's an opportunity in some of these classes where we don't always understand, like, yes, there will truly be classes we don't enjoy. And there isn't some big maha insight, but then there are other moments where it's like, maybe this is a a pause for insight. Um, I I totally agree. You know, and I think the other thing is, how people talk to themselves in class. And we'll talk about this in your life because that'll help you with emotional reactivity. But it's like when you don't nail a pose and are you comparing to everybody else? Are you saying, oh my God, I'm not good enough. Why can she do that? And I can't, because that to me says almost like that, that it's going to cause anger. It's going to cause frustration. It's, it's not going to cause you that idea of non-attachment um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that because Victor Frankl even says in the quote you read, Emmanuel, like in that space, there's, you know, there's both, um, I believe he said growth and freedom, which can translate sometimes into like, there can be discipline and freedom in a class. 
yeah, if you manage sure. your reaction. Do you want to talk about how can there be both though? How can you be free if you're also growing? How can you be free if you're also growing? In a yoga class. I, like, like I, I know. I, this is just such a good question. Right? I like, I want to take my time to answer it well, because I think that's yes. super relevant. Um, it's funny because I'm pausing to answer. I was on FaceTime with my mom and she asked me a question and I paused and she's like, hello, hello. And I was like, yes. Like, I'm, <laughs> you know, I guess we're so not used to a pause that I have to say, I'm sorry that I have that. My mom was like, did the line cut out? Cause we're, and that's kind of what we're talking about. We're so used to just like, go, 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 go react. Like just give, give, give. And I'm like, this is a good question. Like I want to take my time and answer it. And that's a pause right there. But I think the so freedom is going to feel it's a feel different for everybody mm-hmm. but that actually no the steps to get to a place where you feel free are different for everybody but the feeling is is i'm assuming is similar and i only know from my experience but for me to get to a place where i feel free is going to be a different journey than for you to get to a place where you feel free and that's okay um and i think in a yoga class, we need different things, just like we do in life. Like you may need in order to feel free to move a lot, like breath to movement and to just like generate some prana. And some people may need to be very still. So it's different things within the practice. It's learning to use the tools that I think we discover through asana, but that are beyond just the physical practice to and the, the, the big one is introspection to discover what it is within the concept of yoga that sets us free. What yeah. is it for you, which is going to be different than for me? What is the recipe that gets you? Oh my God. Emmanuel, I literally wrote down on my post-it a well-measured recipe. Ah, that's crazy. That's crazy <laughs> because what you hit on is so relevant is like, if you look at it as a well-measured recipe, there can be growth and freedom in that, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the tolls are there, but then you get to choose how much of an ingredient you want. And I think that right there is growth and freedom. Yeah, It's a well-measured exactly. recipe. I love, oh my God, we were like ESP. That's, that's so crazy. I know. Um, so I think you answered the question. Um, and then the big question becomes, okay, Jared Emmanuel, yeah, I can do that in a yoga room. Why can't I do that with my husband? Um, or that girl in the Starbucks line, or that, how do I work on my, how do I work on that space between stimulus and response? I think we both can relate to that. Oh yeah, for sure. I think it's creating awareness around how quickly we get trigger and what our go-to reactions are, because sometimes I think for me, it it was harder to observe what the stimulus actually was, like what generated that kind of quick answer that probably wasn't serving me most of the time. But it was easier to say, okay, I'm doing this. Like, this is a pattern of mine that I'm noticing. So when I notice the pattern, I go, oh, wait, you know, and then backing it up looking back and being like, okay, what triggered me to go here and becoming familiar? Like, what was the reason if someone talks to you about 
your chores at home. Like your partner is like talking to you about your chores at home. Your go-to is like to scream. Okay. So you notice the screen and you're like, I am screaming because that's something that you're doing. And then you go, okay, I'm screaming. What caused me to scream? Okay. And then you look at that and you go, oh, it's because Billy was talking to me about my chores. And then within that, where is the stimulus? Oh, he feels I don't do enough. I'm exhausted. I feel I do too much. There's an assumption, right? Yeah. So, and then just kind of mediating what actually is going on and not reacting and saying, okay, actually, instead of screaming, if I take that pause and I'm like, huh, I'm so tired. And when he talks to me about the dishes, I really feel like he's saying you should do more. Instead of screaming, because that's like triggering for me, can I maybe ask him and say, do you feel I should do more? I'm super tired. I had a long week. Maybe we can do the dishes together, you know? Yes. And I think that's pretty powerful. Like you, you having people check in with themselves, because I think we oftentimes make assumptions and we become defensive as a collective. Like when someone comes at us with, and that's a really good, simple example, but believe it or not, that happens a lot in therapy. It's like when my partner asked me to do something, um, they almost, I assume that that means my day wasn't as stressful as theirs or, or, or I don't do enough. And the, a lot of it is dropping in and like asking yourself, is that, a, is that like a story that's really being told or is that a story I'm creating? And I think that's powerful to, and then ask the person if it's triggered, like I'm feeling this way, like, is this what you're inferring? And then you have to trust what they say. If they say, (laughs) you know, like if they say, no, I just, I feel like I'm doing the dishes more or like, I'm really tired too. Like trust that. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think what you identified is like identifying a trigger. Like I'm thinking of myself, like oftentimes I will have some irritability um, but it's usually because time isn't working how I want it to. So it's like, yeah. ju- this just happened yesterday or two days ago. I like had the Comcast guy coming to the house oh. and I needed to get a prescription filled. I go because I want it. I want to optimize all my time always, which is ridiculous. But I yeah. the line, <laughs> the line was seven people long. So I'm standing in the line. They have one person working at the cash register I'm like no. already irritated. My phone rings. Hey, work your hat. I had to leave the line. I was rolling my eyes, like calmed, like clearly you're overwhelmed. Yeah. Like what's going on that you have, that you're having this reaction. So mine was like with myself, it was like, why am I being so strict? And can I let that go? Can I find mm-hmm. some freedom and like, okay, Jared, you're upset that that things aren't working out perfectly. You can come back. This isn't critical. You know, like that self-dialogue that you have with yourself. Yeah. And I think this is kind of a good segue into something that we were talking to before you hit record is oftentimes when I'm reactive towards my own patterns, it's to not feel it's to numb something that I know is there as like a reaction. So for example, um, if I feel sadness, I try to overcompensate by seeking, um, like exterior validation, which we both know has been such a huge pattern for me in my life. It's like, or if I feel like sadness or loneliness, And then I'm like, 
I was texting with a friend and I'm like, why do I always need to like have someone talk to me? I had my screen time on my phone and it was up 48% last week, which is insane. That's like double. Yeah. It's double the amount of time that I spent on my phone. Meanwhile, working so many hours a day, I was like, how was I, how did I even have time to double my screen time is because the minute that I was alone, I needed like exterior validation, exterior validation. And so and what what magical moment for you to realize that you weren't giving yourself the quote unquote pause right. from Victor Frankel? You were like, uh, you were not pausing. Not at all. And yeah. it just kind of realizing, oh, I'm bypassing this loneliness. I am trying not to feel it. I'm trying to dismiss it and cover it up with other things, which is something that we unfortunately tend to try to do quite a bit with different things, whether it be talking to someone, social media, or many other plethora of things or habits that we have to kind of bypass emotions or, or which we can't do because ultimately if I don't let myself lay on my little camping mattress on the ground in my Miami apartment and feel sad, I won't get over it. Yes. You have to welcome it, usher it in. Right. And I think, well, I taught a class one time. I think this was an interesting thing. I researched the word Nirvana, which on the Buddhist path is the ultimate aim. And I I think you might've been in class, maybe not, but Nirvana in some translations in Sanskrit actually translates into no breath, which is the opposite of pranayama, right? And no breath. And Mm -hmm. I thought this was so cool. The reason that it translates to no breath, if you think about a pool of water and the wind, or you're blowing on the pool of water, it ripples and distorts reality. But when there's no breath, you see the water as it is. And you see the reflection as it is. And I think that's kind of talking what you're saying. Like you're sitting with yourself and you're being willing to look into the water and see what's really there. Yeah. Um, Which is a pretty, I think, scary thing for some people is like, how do I find that pause or how do I look into that moment of non-reactivity? It is scary because if you're... Alyssa told me this. She was like, if you ask for clarity, you're going to get it. And there's a good chance that you're going to see some things that you don't want to see. Oh my gosh. And that's like, you're right. People stay engaged in things that aren't great for them sometimes because they don't want to go. They don't, they know like if they sit, there's the exit out of the maze, right? There it is. It's a right. (laughs) It's like a right turn. All I do is turn right. But it's like, sometimes they're like, I'd rather be stuck in the maze. You know, never mind. I'll deal with the chaos. And it's like, yeah yeah and that speaks to a pod we just had on change so if you want to go back and look at that one but um it's like that's a scary point sometimes um but i think it's important to also talk about pause in a sense of like boundaries like i think sometimes oftentimes our reactivity comes from an interaction with other people and I want people to know, like as a therapist and maybe Emmanuel, you can, I think you're good at this too, is um, you can set boundaries. You don't have to respond right away. Like sometimes my yeah. anxiety makes me almost respond immediately. Yeah. I'm like I'm allowed to pause. I'm allowed to not respond to this text message. Or if I'm triggered by my friend or my partner, I'm allowed to say, can we talk about this tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Like, I, th- I think that's an important point to make 
is that we're so about fixing something in a moment that we don't give ourselves breathing room. Yeah. And we feel kind of in that go, go, go mentality with situations with other people or like emotional things as well. Um, that we have to, like, this needs to get done. We need to do this and we should be able to like answer and, and move forward and move fast and move through. And, and that's just not the case. Some things take more time. Yeah. So I want people to know you're allowed to say that you're allowed to say to someone, especially if you're no- noticing an emotional reaction, that you can't run away from everything. I'll often tell couples in couples counseling, you're supposed to say to your partner when things are tense, Hey, can we have a repair attempt? I want to make a repair attempt, which means something's triggering. You're going to offer your partner a vulnerable space. I used to have a client say, friend to friend. I'm having a friend to friend moment. Or you say, I need a repair moment. But your partner's allowed to say, okay, I need 24 hours. I'm in an emotional place where this dialogue, you know, I'm not in a good place to talk about it right now. And I often tell them, but you got to talk about it maybe the next day or, you you know, like you're allowed, but don't continue to put in boundaries, avoid emotional dialogue. Because I think some people then never have emotional reactivity because they're like, okay, I'm just not going to talk about it. Yeah. And that's something that I wanted to talk about as well. Yeah. People that are so stoic, they'll tell you like, oh yeah, I I feel sad, but there's just no effect to it and that's something that I see a lot and I mean I'm not trying to be gender biased but I think it happens more in men yes Matt so this is something common I'm thinking even in therapy is it is more common I would say in men and because of how society portrays how you're supposed to act like a man and what emotions mean to be a man anger is the only acceptable one really for men Um, But this happens a lot with people because they grow up from families that sweep things under the rug. So I always Mm -hmm. tell people there's lots of bumpy rugs in America because, (laughs) you know, like things are not dealt with in an emotional way. And I just I'm so proud. I had a girl this week who's young. She handled something so well with a roommate that her roommate was totally reactive and defensive. She said, hey, we share this space. I notice it's messy, blah, blah, blah her roommate blew it up into this thing where, you know, you're disrespecting me. You're did it. She was not, but her roommate would rather function in the sweeping under the rug than having emotional dialogue, you know? And I think the majority of people avoid that. Oh yeah. And I don't, I, I'm not sure why. I mean, I guess by design, I'm always all about emotional conversations. Tell me everything about how you feel yes. and why you feel that way. And then tell me more about it, you know, yeah. but I guess you have to put yourself in a place that's pretty vulnerable and you have helped me work through that tremendously because I've always been comfortable with you as like a friend, but there's also a value in shared experience with people that you're not necessarily friendly with. And that was always hard for me because of the way that, you know, I was brought up to believe like how you present yourself and how you need to be portrayed. And like this idea or this illusion of perfection, you know, that you need to embody and like, oh, well, she is strong and she's organized and she is in charge and she's knowledgeable and worthy, but she's also sometimes, 
<laughs> yeah, right? a little, yeah, just a regular person. And I think that that has a lot of value and it's in those genuine connection because I think you as a friend are so open and caring and like willing to go to those places. It kind of taught me how to do the same. And so the more that you can implement that, if you're listening to this in your life, you have a chance of like bringing people along for the ride with you. And that's a beautiful thing when you can actually like start to have those conversations with the people that matter for you about things that are a little bit yes. deeper than like, how was your day? <laughs> and be willing. You- and, and you know what? Be willing to do it wrong. Be willing maybe to share too much. And you notice that it's like, oh crap. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I shouldn't have done this with the girl at Starbucks. But like, <laughs> yeah. but I want, I would rather people be over emotional and learn how to rein it in than yeah. to have it at all. Like, do you know how many times I've been in it? incorrect or not even incorrect just too emotional maybe and I you know and then I go okay maybe I need to work on that like it's my willingness though to show it and do it wrong that helped me to figure out a a healthier medium oh yeah for sure yeah and you'll feel people relate to you and connect with you more when that happens a hundred percent but to Again, like if we bring it back full circle to that pause, if you're able to explore that pause, okay, here is what I'm feeling. How can I express that too? How can I let that play through instead of storing it away for it to come back to me tenfold in like a couple days, months, years, you know, because that does happen. And we're like, oh, why do I feel that way? And then, you know, as a therapist, because of this in your childhood that you didn't process. And I think what you, what you said, this will be a good thing for listeners is you're going to have an emotion. Go beyond the emotion though. What's in the thought process? Not Mm -hmm. I'm angry, but go deeper. What's the thinking behind the anger? What's the trigger? Like that's where the power for growth and freedom exists is once you figure out what the thoughts are, if you change a thought, you can change an emotional response. Yes. And I think it's important. And I guess I said this already, but to let it play out in your life and to understand, yes, like go beyond understand and like problem solve if there needs to be problem solving, but also be angry. Yeah. Be angry, yeah. Be angry, be really happy, be joyful, be childish, be in love. Let yourself be those things because that's what living is. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's it's all, it's all, I often say all 58 crayons in the crayon box. It's not just yellow, happy, you know, it's everything. Yeah. I think that kind of ties it up, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of, um, yeah, it's a good full circle moment. Yeah. Um, any parting words for the listeners? Oh my gosh. No. I mean, I, I, it's been so great to do this and I've really enjoyed it with Emmanuel and it was really a, a, her birth. She kind of birthed this idea. And then I was kind of the midwife that delivered, (laughs) that engaged and (laughs) delivered it, but it's been so much fun and it's like, such a cool platform for us to do. So I'm really happy um, that we were able to do it and we're, we're 
get ahead into season two and see what that looks like and give ourselves some time to breathe. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to say thanks for the people that are tuning in and, you know, for growing with us. And I think if anything, this podcast, this journey of, of Jared and I has been just kind of a reflection of what life really is for both of us and how we all have trials and tribulations and we all go through things and we can always find a common thread. And when we're, we're all surrounded with people that are like-minded, it helps us make it through. And, you know, our friendship has been so amazing even through this. And now I'm in Miami and you're in ocean city and we're writing the same thing. We're talking about the same thing. We're still so connected. And that's just such a, that's such a gift. And I hope that the the listeners can feel that because we're also connected to them and we're really appreciating their time and their input through all of this. And I think that's um, good for you to, to, I mean, you, even though you're, you're States away, you still, this community will always be a community of yours. Yeah, for sure. And then that gives us like an opportunity to grow the scene and to see, maybe we'll get some, some Southern listeners in here, you know? Um, <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.